Alrighty, good evening everybody. Um, it appears that we've got things working here on our end. I want to welcome you into our home here and uh, so appreciate uh, Pastor's uh, wisdom. I don't know about you, but here is definitely a, uh, a whiteout, so it's nice to be able to gather together around the Word uh, just in the safety and comfort of our own homes. And what a blessing this technology has. And I know Pastor has mentioned about uh, the uh, the use of it going forward in relationship to ministering to one another here, as well as uh, apart, away from us as God continues to expand the influence of his word through you people here at Grace Church and Manor. We love you all and we're praying for you. Hope you're safe and warm. Certainly, if you feel like you need anything, feel free to call myself, 440-364-7851. And we'll tr try to get the necessary uh, things that you might need uh, given this weather. And uh, we'd love to help you in any way that we can. Uh, tonight, as Pastor Tim mentioned, we're going to be taking uh, uh, the next step in, in our study of the book of Acts. Uh, Pastor Mike did a wonderful job last week in relationship to sort of all the different roles that a disciple maker, a disciple maker takes as exemplified by the life of the Apostle Paul. And uh, it's a wonderful reminder that uh, there are many aspects of one anothering together, as Pastor Tim mentioned this morning. What a blessing that was. I hope you had the, uh, if you didn't get to uh, hear or see Pastor's message from this morning, it's uh, one you don't want to miss. Um, uh, and as he was reflecting on his own past, many of us who are his age, uh, I could so appreciate what he was talking about and um, how our folks in our past did a great job, but uh, the corrective of doing this together and not going at it alone was so huge and such a comfort and has so many um, uh, wonderful uh, realities that occur when we go about this together, uh, even valuing the preaching of the Word of God more and the teaching and, and uh having it have its intended impact in our lives rather than hardening us and kind of just sort of making us think that we've heard this all before, but in a disciple-making context, uh, studying the Bible, hearing the Bible preached is different uh, because we've got to be able to share it with someone else. Uh, so uh, just a wonderful challenge. would encourage you to take a look at that uh, if you haven't had a chance to yet. But Acts chapter 20, uh, we're going to be handling real quick verses 17 to 38. Uh, my, my, um, my, my task tonight is not necessarily to look at it in depth, uh, but we just want to take from it um, just uh, really four simple truths uh, as we think about uh, what Paul is writing to us here. And uh, so we're going to read the passage together, and we'll have a word of prayer and then we'll make some appropriate comments on the text, okay? So hopefully you have your Bibles there, Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Uh, my Bible has headed here, farewell to, farewell to Ephesus. And uh, if you, again, if you saw Pastor Mike's message last week, you got all the geography and you saw uh, what Paul was doing. So I'm not going to re rehearse all of that. Uh, but this is a very tender time. Uh, this part of the book of Acts reads more like a Pauline epistle than it does uh, necessarily a, a historic uh, book like the, act, 
the book of Acts truly is. Uh, so we're going to read this, uh, and then we're going to make some comments about what leadership in a local New Testament church is all about. So here Paul writes from my, or here Luke writes from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, that's Paul, sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, uh, so these elders would be, uh, in, in our context, this would be Bob Gray, Nick Master Petro, uh, Harry Dodd, Larry Hobbes, Pastor Mike, Pastor Steve, myself, and of course our dear senior pastor, Pastor Tim. Uh, so these would be the same group of guys, the same kind of men. Uh, so these men were summoned from Ephesus to meet with Paul. And he says, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot into Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any count. The, the, the Greek there, uh, consider my life of any account. What Paul is saying is he's saying, my life is worthy of no further word. Uh, this isn't a self-deprecation comment. This is more a comment of when we're bound by the Spirit, when we're called of the Spirit, um, really the question of our life and its comfort and its the implications, really they're just, it's just not worthy of any other word. Paul is under the compelling of the Spirit here. So we don't want to take that as self-deprecating. We simply want to understand what, what it really uh, means. Uh, there in the Greek, as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Uh, the kingdom there is a, is a, is a uh, term that's broadly understanding this is the universal reign of God uh, underneath which the church exists and uh, but this, uh, and ultimately the mediatorial kingdom, the, the kingdom where Jesus will rule and reign on earth and we will rule with him. But, but this is sort of that general broad idea that Paul preached all aspects, you know, the, the church and the future mediatorial reign and all of the things that are underneath the, the, the rule of God. But he went about preaching the kingdom, um, uh, and he says, I will no long, you will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, elders, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish you, each one with tears. 
And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my needs and to the men who were with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said all these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him uh, to the ship. So there it is, a, a, a pretty good chunk of scripture. Uh, and we're going to just have a few comments about it. But let's pray and ask the Lord's help before we get started. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, we thank you as uh, we come into uh, the nominating uh, time in our church where we're very interested in, in elders and deacons and understanding uh, who they are, who they should be, and, and what they do. And Lord, as pastor, uh, uh, encouraged us strongly to begin to pray uh, to seek the Lord in relationship to the leadership that the Spirit of God would appoint here. And so I pray, Father, that we as a congregation would take that very seriously. We pray that our uh, older men and our younger men would aspire to be deacons and elders. Lord, this is a very practical thing. This is something that uh, we should long for. And Father, I'm not sure we quite... Uh, uh, have that yet in our church. And Lord, I pray that maybe as a result of our time here together, that that would be encouraged. And we thank you for it. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we look at this section of the book of Acts, we want to be reminded that this is an apologetic section. That uh, for This last um, uh, panel, we called it two weeks ago. Uh, we had just received a report on the local church from Paul, and we, we and that wrapped up the sixth panel, or the sixth section of the book of Acts, and now we're into the seventh, or that the fifth, and I think now we're into the sixth. And at the end of this one, we'll have a final report from Paul on the local church. And then we, we observe that this whole last section is Luke really... Uh, uh, in, in defense of Christianity, arguing, or at least one of the main themes, is that Christianity is no threat to the Roman Empire. Uh, we made some application to that two weeks ago. But we, wanna, we don't want to forget that here in this section of scriptures. And this is almost, and almost as though Luke is, <clears throat> is, is allowing Theophilus and all of the readers of scripture into a very secret, tender time. Uh, the Greek culture in this era of New Testament is really nothing if it's not about sort of secret societies and and things kind of going on uh, sort of under the current and all these secret meetings. And, and a lot of times those secret meetings did, in fact, have as their goal to subvert and to... Um, uh, uh, to, to get an upper hand. And it's as though Luke is inviting us into this very, very tender time where Paul calls the very highest of the leaders in the local New Testament church, and he calls them to himself, and he gives them a very personal message. 
And what Luke is simply trying to uh, exemplify, at least one of the things he's trying to do, is, is to say simply, see, <laughs> these, these men are not interested in subverting the authority of the Roman Empire. That's not why these guys get together and talk. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe you have had questions at times in relationship to, you know, maybe you've seen in our church, you've walked by a room and you've seen the elders in there and they're all kind of huddled together. And, and uh, you, you, you kind of wonder what's going on in there anyway. And, uh, you know, we can live in a day and age which is equally suspicious of, of meetings of leadership. And uh, what I want to encourage your heart with is exactly what Luke was trying to encourage uh, all of his readers with, is that truly the interests of godly leaders in a local New Testament church is uh, to, to be the, the, the kind of elder that God wants them to be, a dignified, um, uh, somebody who is submitted to the message that they are teaching, they're elders, uh, they're, they're overseers, they're concerned that uh, uh, those underneath their authority are growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that they're shepherded. These three terms are used all together in this passage uh, and, and really are descriptive of what's going on in those meetings. So take heart, be encouraged uh, when, when, when Bob, Nick, and... and uh, um, Larry and, and, and Harry and uh, we pastors get together. That's all we're trying to do. And that's all we should be doing. Um, but my proposition tonight is a simple one in relationship to specifically just kind of our, our short comments here is, is that we as men uh, and, and, and our boys, uh, and, and even to some extent, we're going to make some application to you too as well, gals. But boys and men alike specifically should aspire to be one of, could we put it this way, the courageous, the compelled guardians of the church of the living God, the pillar in support of the truth. You know, we're familiar with, uh, we all know and love Gage. I don't know if he's watching here tonight. Um, I work, serve on the military ministry. We have some uh, Marines there, but you're familiar with the motto, the few, the proud, the Marines. This slogan venerates and motivates to action like few slogans do. It's the verbiage of a brotherhood that shapes identity for the rest of the lives of those so privileged to be a part. This commission to the service of our country is a noble and time-honored one. You know, as we read this passage, there is a heavenly commission uh, that the word of God says far outshines any earthly temporal commission. Perhaps a, a Holy Spirit authored slogan uh, to venerate and motivate young men and, and, and men in general to leadership in the church of the living God could be derived from our passage. Maybe you could read something like this, the, the courageous, the compelled, the guardians of the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of the truth. You know, young men, men, uh, do you aspire um, to be one of those courageous, compelled guardians of the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Can there be any higher calling? Can there be any greater task, any nobler purpose? Hear these words from the Spirit himself in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. For those who have served well as deacons, and now listen to this, obtain for themselves a high standing, 
and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Deacons have have access to uh, what the Holy Spirit calls a high standing and great confidence. We call that full assurance of salvation and faith. And again, in 1 Timothy 5, uh, elders are singled out. And it says, elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. You know, these high inducements, whether it's assurance of salvation and honor uh, or honor, are given to no one else in the New Testament local church. Tonight, our passage gives us five simple characteristics of the courageous, the compelled, the guardians of the church of the living God. And as, as, as we walk through these real quickly now, uh, I want you to think of Dave and of Harry and, and Larry and uh, uh, Nick, myself, Pastor Steve, Pastor Mike, Pastor Tim, and those who serve as elders, particularly. The first thing we see in our passage is that leaders are accessible. Leaders are accessible. We see this in verse number 18. If you have your Bible on your laps there, you can read it. But Paul says, you know how I was with you. Uh, They're accessible and they're transparent. He tells us here, you yourselves know, you know this. I was transparent. I did not have sort of a double life. Um, He says that uh, leaders that are accessible, they're transparent, and, and they're faithful. They're faithful. He says, I did this the whole time I was with you. Uh, this was just the, the natural sort of outworking of my own salvation with fear and trembling to be transparent and accessible. And accessible leaders, they serve the Lord. That's who their primary audience is, as Pastor Tim reminds us. Uh, They serve the Lord humbly. Uh, Paul says, I did this with all humility. Uh, They serve empathetically. He he shared tears with those to whom he ministered, particularly with the elders there at Ephesus. And and really, uh, by way of application, the elders were to have the same sort of heart in their service to the people there at the church in Ephesus. And he served enduringly through great trials, through great trials. So leaders, first of all, are accessible, are accessible. Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ uh, chose the apostles and we're told in the Gospels that he he chose them so that he could be with them. And uh, Paul picked up on that. And we as elders uh, need to do the same. We need to be accessible. We need to be with you. And... uh, And can you be accessible, young men? Uh, um, Are you growing in grace uh, to a point, as Pastor Tim mentioned, that you're not going it alone? And as you develop that habit of of confessing faults one to another so that you can be healed, that's normal and natural. Uh, Elders are humans just like anybody else, and we, we fail and falter and we sin. Uh, but but we're not going it alone. We we have one another, and and remember, part of faith isn't uh, a, a propelling to perfection. Uh, faith encompasses when we're successful spiritually, walking with God obediently, uh, but it also encompasses when we've sinned and failed. Um, and it is upon this truth, this idea that 
the Lord Jesus Christ has fully and finally forgiven us and he's growing us. It is this that enables us to be the accessible kind of leaders that God wants us to be. The second thing we see here in our passage is that leaders are courageous. They're courageous. Uh, in verse 20 and then again in 27, Paul says how I did not shrink from, from uh, my task, essentially. He didn't shrink in his declaration uh, to them anything that was profitable, anything that was needed. They declared. Uh, he declared to them. Um, he was courageous in his method, whether it was publicly uh, some some of us as elders do better and publicly and, uh, and and are a little more challenged when it comes to privately, but Paul did it both and, and some are better privately than they are publicly. but Paul did both. He, he was he was uh, 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 courageous in his method. And then in his message, uh, we read further in the passage there really after verse 20 uh, that he was impartial. He testified to both Jews and Greeks encouraging the elders that they too need to be impartial. And he was unambiguous. He was very clear in the message. It was repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there is no hedging of the message. There is no um, fear of man. Uh, it was unambiguous and it was clear. So leaders are accessible, they're courageous. Thirdly, our text tells us that leaders are compelled by the Spirit. And this is really picked this up in verse 22, where he says, I'm bound in the Spirit. Um, the Spirit of God uh, uh, told, uh, defined Paul's plans. Uh, by uh, extension, the Spirit of God helps to define the plans and hearts of an elder. In a different way, we don't receive direct revelation, but our attention is to the Word of God, and we're directed by the Holy Spirit, who is the author of the Word of God. The Spirit of God defined Paul's reality in his life, and he was to do the same for the elders at Ephesus. Bonds and afflictions. Um, this was Paul's reality, and... Um, and it would probably be the reality of those elders there in Ephesus as well. Um, and this can be true uh, in the local New Testament church as elders together take a stand upon the word of God. Uh, at times, uh, our reality can be bonds and afflictions and difficulties. Um, he was courageous, uh, uh, or the Holy Spirit defined uh, Paul's self-concept, we already mentioned that. Uh, he says, I do not consider my life as dear to myself. And we, we clarified what that meant. Uh, elders, once they have uh, understood their calling to, uh, to leadership in the local church, uh, there's just really no more word given to how they feel or necessarily or, or, or should they do or not do something based upon some physical limitation or, or whatever. But, but all I'm simply trying to say here or denote is, is that the Spirit of God compels. And that's what elders' lives are filled with and grow up into. Um, and the Spirit of God defined Paul's goals. He said, now my goals are to finish my course and finish my ministry, he says later on in the text. And uh, we too, as elders, need to be guided, compelled by the Holy Spirit, His Word, uh, you know, we've done a lot of that as we've talked about uh, uh, the, the, the one legacy goals. Uh, elders were deeply involved in that process. And, and we've prayed through those together as elders and then as church family. And, 
And, and we believe that the Spirit of God is compelling us. And I hope we haven't lost that compelling. I hope, I hope that uh, if, if Paul were to call our elders, he, he would remind us that the Spirit of God has compelled us to put together uh, these thoughts and ideas when it comes to the glory of God in our own community and reaching lost people for Christ and, and, and teaching uh, and encouraging one another. So hopefully um, we, we understand more clearly how the Spirit of God is the one who compels us according to his word. Uh, and then finally, number four here, leaders are guardians of the church. They're accessible, uh, uh, they're courageous, they're compelled, and finally they're guardians. As guardians, their calling is divine. Uh, our text says that the Holy Spirit made the elders who they are. And in our midst, as we look out among us, God is making elders among our young men, and, and, and he's doing it. Um, so as guardians, their calling is divine. As guardians, their trust that they have received is a priceless and sacred one. Our text tells us that this was a message that was purchased with the very blood of God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this is a, 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 a trust that is infinitely and eternally uh, greater and grander than any kind of trust that anyone could ever be given. And the elders minister uh, underneath the weight of that reality, but they minister as well with the joy of proclaiming uh, that truth. Um, as guardians, we know that our text tells us the enemy is savage. Uh, the enemies are called wolves in this passage. Um, I recently Googled wolves and found out that they're number two on the 10 most downright ferocious or ill-tempered animals list. Uh, if you want to look it up, it's live, it's listverse.com. Several animals uh, surprisingly were lower than the wolf, uh, but the wolves made the number two rank uh, uh, because they, they attack in packs. They, in other words, they never kind of work alone. They're always about the business of sort of stirring up uh, uh, some sort of a following. And uh, uh, so they never work alone. Uh, they, they tear pieces of flesh. They never, they, they, they frequently are incapable of just getting a hold of their prey and, and just immediately doing them in. Uh, instead, they just sort of rip and tear and, and make things difficult. Um, and, uh, and, and what what is probably the most disturbing of all is wolves will frequently feed on their kill or their prey long before they're dead. And um, um, so these are the things that sort of rank wolves number two and, and, is, and I'm sure is the kind of imagery that the Apostle Paul wanted to leave in the minds of the elders. Um, we see another reason why they're savage is because they don't spare the flock. I mean, you know, it's men, women, and children. It really is of no consequence. They they want to ravage through them all, and and uh, wolves do that, and spiritual wolves do that. Um, it's interesting here. And the other reason why they're savage is is because they're 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 sneaky. They're they're from among your own selves, and this is a great warning. This is why the disciple making culture is so critical in our midst. There's no way that a group of elders uh, can maintenance uh, any number of people in relationship to how they're proceeding in their spiritual growth and development. Um, 
And that's why it's so important. Just a few historic examples. Joseph Smith's mother, Lucy, uh, was a member of a Presbyterian church uh, at probably its height in the uh, early 1800s. Mary Baker Eddy, uh, this founder of uh, Christian science, um, she was born to Congregationalist parents, another Protestant denomination that was historically faithful to the truth of the Word of God. Uh, you may not be familiar with the Jehovah's Witnesses founder, but Charles Taz Russell, uh, he, his, his whole family was membered to a good Presbyterian church back in the 1800s. Um, so uh, they, they're savage, and elders watch out, they're guardians. Um, as guardians, uh, their confidence is the grace of God. And uh, our text tells us as we read through it that it's the grace of God that is able to build them up. It's able to give them an inheritance. So the elder uh, growingly has his, all of his, uh, uh, how can I put this, his confidence, his, what, what, his, his gyroscope in his life, uh, rather than being his 401k or rather than being the circumstances or his own health, his confidence progressively uh, comes to the center uh, of the fore of his life is the grace of God uh, and nothing else. And uh, this is what elders and what Paul himself and what by way of his own testimony he was encouraging uh, the elders. And their conduct was above reproach, uh, free from covetousness, they provide for their own, um, and so much so that they work hard and are able to give some away. And I know to a man that all of our elders do that. We praise the Lord for that. So as you know, we've convened the nominating committee this past week. It's time once again to look out among us for leaders to our local church. We nominate titled leaders to serve the church, elders and deacons. It's at this time that we seek the courageous, the compelled, the guardians of the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Um, can I just make an application quickly uh, to our young men? Men, I hope you aspire to elder and deacon. There's a lot of things a young man can aspire to, and all those things are, are good. Uh, but one of the things spiritually, when you think of your spiritual life, you should aspire to being a leader in a local New Testament church, uh, a deacon, an elder. And may God help all of the young men uh, to grow up into the kind of men that would be effectual leaders at Grace Church of Menor in our context, but at the local church. And one other application um, just to our young ladies as they think in terms about their future and as they sort of create in their minds a pattern or a paradigm of a kind of young man. You know, I've uh, always challenged... Uh, uh, my boys, there are three things that were important. Uh, as you think about a relationship and gals and guys together, we're talking about this. But uh, number one, they have to you know, be born again and show evidence of that. Number two, uh, they need to have a meaningful relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and that needs to be evident as well. Uh, and then finally, they, they need to be, we, we use the words, lovers of the local church. And, uh, because this is the context. This is the faith community. This is the one thing that is absolutely essential and necessary. And uh, so gals, as you think in terms of, of the kind of young man, or, or as you're trying to ascertain 
uh, whether a young man is a marriable man or a man who should be interest, you should be interested in. Truly, it should be a man who aspires to become uh, uh, this kind of man, elder and deacon material, for lack of a better word. So anyway, uh, again, we just want to thank you so much for uh, listening. Uh, appreciate your heart, and may God uh, give us leaders uh, that are accessible, uh, leaders uh, that are uh, courageous, leaders that are compelled by the Holy Spirit, and leaders that are guardians of, of the local church. May God help us. May God bless you. Be safe. We love you. Uh, we're praying for you. Lord bless. Good night.